Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of Sitting at the Feet of Jesus. I am your host, Patrick Ransom. Friends, uh, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? Uh, if you're a Southern Baptist, that, friends, is a, a, a call sign that, you all, that we all know. When somebody says God is good, normally we respond all the time. And then that person says all the time, and we respond, God is good. And God is indeed good. Uh, friends, Scripture affirms it. Uh, Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd, the good news. Um, but friends, I really wish that, that that saying would have been God is great because, because God is indeed great. For those of you who are suffering, he is known as the great comforter. Uh, those of you uh, who are sick, he is known as the great physician. In today's uh, lesson here in Mark chapter 7, friends, uh, we're going to see that God is indeed the great provider. And, and he is indeed the great provider. He provides for our daily needs. Um, and if that's the case, if he is indeed the great provider, uh, and I'm speaking to myself just as much as I am to you today, if he is, in, if he is indeed the provider, why do we sometimes doubt whether or not he'll come through for us, um, right? When when we have these unexpected uh, trials in life come up, when we have those bills uh, that come in that we weren't expecting, when we have the sudden change in our job situation, right? When when the boss says he no longer needs you, when the taxes come due, when the the storms in our lives come, why do we why do we panic? Right. It, you know, is is God going to show up for you and for me in that particular situation? Friends, that's what we're asking ourselves. And it is it is um, it really is a, a mode of of panic. And if that's the case, friends, if that's you today, if you feel like you are uh, doubting whether or not God will come through, if you're if you're panicking about your current situation, my friends, you're in good company because in in today's lesson, Jesus's own disciples are panicking. We're going to see that they are, uh, even though there is this miraculous feeding of the 4,000, we're going to see three things that the disciples panicked, uh, Jesus provided, and then what we're going to look at is what you and I can perceive from this from this lesson. So let's start off. Uh, Mark chapter uh, 7 uh, is really where where we're going to get to, uh, starting in verse 31, but, but we're going to jump real quick to this feeding of the 4,000, which is really Mark chapter 8. And let me start by reading Mark chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this, About this time another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry, or I have compassion for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. To which the, to which the disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out there? Because we're all here in the wilderness. 
right? I'm going to pause there. Friends, this this feeding of the 4,000 is not the first miraculous feeding, right? Just just a few chapters back in chapter 6, um, Jesus is in a, in a predominantly Jewish area with a predominantly Jewish crowd, and he and he does this miraculous feeding of the five thousand, and the disciples, y'all, are there with him. All right, they are participating in the handing out of this mirac- miraculous blessing, this abundant blessing of food. Right, Jesus takes a very little and multiplies it and feeds this entire crowd. Right, and so now we're here again, a second, a second miraculous feeding. Yet this time, we're told uh, just a few verses down that they're in a Gentile. Area and so this is a predominantly Gentile crowd, and they've been there with them with with them for three days. And y'all, it's a real. What I like about this is is a real world problem, right? This is very tangible. This is not something that we would normally run into. Say say something in the Old Testament where we go, oh, I don't really understand how that applies to your life and my life. Well, friends, this is a real world situation. There's a real need. There's a large crowd. We're told four thousand men. So normally when they designate that it's actually men, they're not counting women and children. So this number could easily have doubled, maybe even to 10,000. Um, they've been out there for three days, and we're told here that that the reply is, you know, Jesus asked here in verse 5, well, how much bread do you have? And they respond, seven loaves and a, and a, few, and a few small fish. Right, so the natural response is we only have this little bit, amount, little bit of resources, right? It's an impossible situation to which... The disciples rightly respond, you know, how are how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Right? You you expect us with the limited resources to feed all these people, Jesus. You know, it's impossible. And and basically they start 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 to panic. It it's what I would call part doubt, and that doubt leads to panic. What are they? What are they? What are they doing here? It, it, when I got to this verse, it's like you know I'm thinking to myself, friends, they they just witnessed this entire miracle that happened in the Jewish territory. You know, we don't know what the span of time is, but friends, they experienced it already and what Jesus can do. Yet here they are in the same situation with a very small amount of of, of resources, and they're in their measuring their problem in light of their resources, right? That's that's what they're doing. They're saying, I have such little in the in the problem seems insurmountable. And friends, you and I, we do this all the time. We really do. We, we look at, at at the little bit of resources that we have, whether that's our uh, time, talent, or treasure, one of those three, right? And we say, Lord, there's the situation that we have, there's no way. It's impossible for us to do. And we start panicking. We start scrambling, you know, because because uh, we weren't expecting that or unexpected expense came in or we have this job loss or, or you name it, a, you know, a sickness that comes in, a cancer that comes in. Lord, I wasn't expecting this. And, and we really start to start to panic. We start to worry. We start to doubt. Um, and, and we see this if we just jump down a few more verses down to verse 14. There's another there's another food issue that comes up with the disciples, All right? So jump with me to, to Mark chapter eight, verse fourteen. It says, "But the disciples had forgotten to bring food. This is the this is the the bread that that Jesus multiplied and feeds that we'll get to in just a second. They they forgot to bring some of that, and so they only had one loaf of bread with them to take on the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, "Watch out! Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod." 
And at this they began to argue with one another because they had not brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said to them, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Have your eyes can't see, nor your ears can't hear? Don't you remember anything? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick? Friends to which they responded, 12. They knew, they knew the answer. And if I feed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick? And they respond, seven. Don't you understand yet? Verse 21, Jesus says this to them. Don't you understand yet? Friends, they're, they're in this boat and they have one loaf of bread, which they probably, you know, in logistically probably could have divided this one loaf of bread up among themselves pretty easy, but, but they're arguing about that. And, and we're left with this thought, why, 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 why worry and argue over one loaf of bread when you have Jesus, the very bread of life, with you there? in the boat, right? Jesus, the one who can multiply that single loaf a thousand times over, is with them there in the boat, right? He, he's saying to them, have you forgotten the first miracle that I did? To which they respond, what? No, no, we haven't forgotten. We know exactly what you did. We know exactly how many leftovers there are. Yet, friends, they are, they are forgetting that miracle here because they're panicking here at the beginning chapter 8 verse 5 when Jesus says you know how much bread do you have he, he's asking that question because because friends they're panicking they're saying how are we supposed to find enough food to feed all these people out here but yet they know they know that he provides you know what's happening here is they're they're forgetting the the miracle that Jesus has done in the past, and you and I uh, we do this all the time. What happens is in our prayer life where we end up praying for specifics, Lord, I ask you, uh, would you be so gracious in handling this particular situation? And what happens when when God answers that question, friends? Um, we just jump right over to the next one. Lord, thank you for that. And, and we jump right over to the very next prayer need and, and we forget how he provided for us, how he provided for that daily need at that particular time. And, and what happens when we forget that that forgetfulness uh, leads to future doubt. Um, you know, the, the need for food here in this passage symbolizes the variety of needs that you and I face each each day. Um, but we see that even in the midst of all this panic and all this doubt, Jesus is the one who provides. Look with me at, at, at the, the miracle that happens here. Verse 5 says, Jesus asked them, how much bread do you have? They respond, seven loaves. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves. He blessed them and thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So, so Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to, to distribute them as well. They ate as much as they all wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftovers. You know, they, there were about 4,000 men in the crowd. We talked about this. And Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. All right. Uh, here, here's the problem. It's a real world problem. 
They have a lot of people and they have very little resources. Yet Jesus is the only one who could who could provide in that situation. Right? Jesus is the only one who can provide when when the situation seems impossible, when you only have a little. Jesus is the one who provides for that daily need. And I love how verse uh, uh, two here, you know, he says, I feel uh, sorry. Your translation may say compassion. I feel compassion for these people. Right? Because why? It says, because they've been with him for three days and friends, they have nothing to eat. He, he knows they have a daily need. He knows and he wants to address that. And, and you know, it says he has compassion. This word compassion uh, is seen often. Throughout the Bible, when Jesus um, encounters uh, somebody who has a need, right? When he has somebody who's sick or somebody who's blind or somebody who's deaf or mute, right? He, he sees these people and he says, uh, I have compassion on them, right? It's the same type of compassion we see back in chapter 6 when, when he sees this large Jewish crowd. It's compassion here because there's a real world daily need and he wants to provide that. Verse 5 says, you know, he's handling the situation. He has everybody to sit down. He takes all these people, sits down, he blesses the food. And and then not only the crowd, you know, think about this, y'all. I know if you've been in church a long time, often we just read over this miracle and, and it doesn't quite hit home like it should. You know, if you're if you're a new believer or you're or you're an unbeliever and you're listening to this to this podcast, let me tell you something. This miracle may seem strange. Friends, they take a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and Jesus blesses the food and then they break it up and and, and just think about it they're they're handing out this food that dis, the disciples are to all these people and the food just keeps multiplying in the basket right the, the disciples are active active members in this blessing right Jesus blesses it they're they're distributing it and it says they all ate in 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 my my translation says they were they they ate as much as they wanted. Your translation may say um, they were uh, they were full, right? Or 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 they were satisfied. That's the better word, right? This uh, this uh, tratazo uh, is this word, right? In Greek, to be filled, to be stuffed, right? That's that's this idea. Oh, I'm so full. I've eaten. It's not, you know, he didn't just barely provide. Jesus didn't barely provide for their need. Understand that, right? They were hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. He could have said, here's a little bit of bread just to tide you over. But no, that the, the, the picture here is they ate so much that they were stuffed. And then it says there were leftovers. Friends, there, there were leftovers. This is a, this is a picture of an abundant blessing. And this is this is what Jesus does. In my experience, uh, this is the way the Lord has blessed me all throughout my life. Right? Not just uh, when I had need daily needs. It's not just a little. It's not like uh, here, Patrick. I just want to give you just a little to tide you over. It is this unexpected, abundant blessing. And I'm not talking materialistic things here, uh, folks, uh, friends of mine. Here, this is. All throughout my life, uh, uh, I have never uh, wanted, or, or, or I've never uh, had a, a need, right? I've so desired that I that I can't uh, go to God and say, "Lord, please provide this for me," right? And, and if you're if you're 
living in God's will, friend. He he wants to bless you, uh, not not so just for the big things. So I think as an early Christian, an immature Christian, I just prayed for the big things. Lord, we pray for protection, pray for you know provision um, over my family, you know, over my kids, you know, this these type of things. Right where, where this passage, friends, is telling us God cares about the very specific daily need right when we pray the lord's prayer right give us today our what our daily bread right not not tomorrow's bread not next week's bread uh, uh today's bread and god god is saying pray for that in that manner so that i may bless you abundantly for today for that daily need he 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 really it's a picture that y'all that he he really cares about our our daily need, but I also like the fact that you know he has complete control. He puts this crowd at ease. He sets the entire crowd down, and he and he and he takes care of the situation. Right? Is this picture of care and complete control over the situation? Right? Um, it's it's a picture of his sovereignty. Right? That God is in control. Right? He just didn't go and preach to this Gentile crowd of four thousand or or eight thousand or ten thousand. Right? And go, oh, oh, I was caught off guard that they that they're hungry. Boy, I should have thought about that, right? No, it's a picture of God's sovereign hand over this situation. And friends, I think I think knowing that He cares and that He's in complete control of providing for our daily needs, and that should give us a sense of relief, a sense of comfort. I no longer need to worry because God has it all under control. Someone here this morning needs to hear that. Stop worrying whether or not God will provide for you. He cares about you. He wants to bless you and provide for your daily needs. Jesus has it all under control. All right, so 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 what are we to perceive from this from this passage? What is what are we supposed to take away from this passage? Um here here's where a lot of people will stop. Uh, they will they will teach this or preach this feeding of the four thousand, and they'll look through chapter eight, and they'll and they'll get down to verse you know um, uh, verse twenty one, where Jesus says, "Don't you understand yet?" And they teach on this miraculous thing. But but friends, I want to point out something that's often overlooked, and I think it's really helpful in in understanding what we are to perceive from this. If you look just right before chapter eight, chapter seven, verse thirty one. My heading says, Jesus heals a deaf man. Now, if you jump down to chapter 8, verse 22, my section says, Jesus heals a blind man. Now, isn't that interesting that we have two healings? We have a healing of a deaf man and a healing of a blind man that are that are uh, bookends to this feeding of the 5,000. Right? The, the healing of the deaf man Listen to this, it says, Jesus left, this is verse 31, chapter 7. Jesus left higher, and he went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee, the region of the Ten Towns. Y'all, a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man so that he may be healed. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could not, so they could be alone. He put his fingers in the man's ears and then and then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue, looking up to heaven, and, and, and he said, uh, Ephaphtah, 
which means be open. Instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so that he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them, the more they went and told the news, right? So this is a healing of the deaf man. Same thing happens with the blind man. Um, it, it, y'all, it's two miracles of perception on either side of this miraculous feeding, right? It's the importance of, of perceiving Jesus rightly as as the pride. It's almost, it's almost like uh, the writer of Mark intentionally wants you to perceive something about chapter eight, this feeding of the 4,000, right? It, it's like, it's like two bookends saying, uh, look here, look here. This is something important to perceive. Uh, Jesus is the only way, the only person who can provide for your daily needs, right? We have two of two events dealing with eyes, ears, and a mouth. Uh, one once closed, now opened by Jesus. Uh, all about perception here. Per- perceiving Jesus rightly as the provider. Uh, he provides sight, hearing, speaking, and friends, food. He, he provides for our daily needs. And and so I, I just wanted to leave you with a, a takeaway as I, as I prepared this week, as I prayed this week, Lord, what 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 am I to take away? How can I apply this to my life? You know, who who will meet my needs? And the answer, y'all, is Jesus. And 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 I just have three small ways that I think we can um, see Jesus as a provider of our daily needs this week. And the first thing is uh, giving thanks, right? I think I think we Jesus models this for us. You know, he says that they he takes this seven loaves and these few fish and that says that he he blessed them and he gave thanks to god for them right and and so i think i think the first takeaway that i have this week this this week i plan on seeing jesus as, as my provider my daily needs by giving thanks at every meal and i know that seems silly i know that seems so simple and you're like patrick um of course i pray at every meal well i i friends i see a lot of people that are believers that that don't do this on a daily basis so here's here's my challenge to you and a challenge to me as well every meal this week right three meals a day if that's if that's your typical if that's your typical schedule every meal when you sit down uh say a a prayer will you of thanks to god that he provided that meal right you may go to a restaurant and and the restaurant may do the preparation of it but jesus provided for that Jesus provided that you can pay for that. Jesus provided for those groceries that you bring home and, pre- and prepare that meal for your family. Jesus is is providing that for you. Can you can you give thanks? Just uh, uh, it can even be something. Start even something simple. Lord, thank you. I recognize that you are the one who provided this for me. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with this daily provision. Something simple like that. Uh, I challenge you that if you're out at a restaurant, you're out in public. Uh, pray pray for that food there. I would you'd be surprised at how many people are watching, right? How many other people are watching? If you're a family or you're a couple or you're single and you're out on a date with somebody, what a better way is to say, look, I'm gonna stop for a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna recognize that God provided that meal for me. It's it's a simple thing. Pray out loud if if you're even so bold. Doesn't have to be loud, it doesn't have to be like a preacher. Don't need a megaphone. 
don't need a microphone, but you know, you can just pray a little prayer out loud and often other people will hear, man, what a testimony, what a witness to somebody else. Maybe they go, yeah, maybe I need to start praying out loud. That's the first thing I want you to do this week. I challenge you to give thanks at every meal. The second thing is uh, praise him. Praise him for, and I would just say fill in the blank. This week, think of one thing that Jesus has provided for you in the past, right? And, and what I do, and I don't, and I don't know if this is uh, helpful to you. I love sticky notes. I love the yellow sticky notes. What I, I often do, either either write it on that, or I write it in my journal, and I write, uh, "This was a prayer, and this is how this is how it was provided for." Right? This is how God. And what happens is, either you use sticky notes, you stick them either around your mirror or someplace around your computer monitor, whatever wherever you're at during the day that you could see. It is a constant reminder of what Jesus has already provided for you. And, and, and you praise him for that. Thank you, Lord. You're you're so great for providing me this. And what happens is we get in practice of, of thanking him and praising him for the things that were already done. It, it bolsters, you know, our faith. It bolsters our uh, our confidence that when the storms do come and the unexpected things do come, they, they don't toss us about, right? We're able to go, oh, yeah, I remember Jesus provided for that. Oh, I remember He's, he, you know, and, and we have strong confidence in what he'll do for us. That's the second thing. Praise him for fill in the blank. For me, it's my health. I'll just tell you, Lord, uh, you know, uh, uh, I have a few issues right now with my back. Uh, I tweaked my back while I was working out, and now the back uh, has, has pinched a nerve in my leg. And so while my health is not fantastic right now, it, it has made me recognize just how much God does provide for me. And on a daily basis. So I praise him for my health. So I don't know what that, that fill in the blank is for you, but, but you know what it is because he has provided for it in the past. Third thing, remember, right? Because, because what happens here in this passage is the disciples are forgetting, right? That Jesus is the provider. So, so the easiest thing I can tell you to do is just remember this week that he, that he's a provider. You know, maybe it's something that you just say in the car when you're alone and you're driving into work and you got the you got your Christian radio station on, hopefully. Right. Maybe you just maybe you just pause and you just say, uh, oh, yeah, Jesus is my provider. It's just something like that Jesus is my provider. That's the third thing. Give thanks at every meal, praise him for fill in the blank and remember what he's already done. Right. Friends, he is your provider. God is great all the time. All the time, God is great. He is the great provider, y'all, who promises to meet our daily needs. May we confidently place our trust in him, praying, Lord, give us today our daily bread. And he will, friends, because he desires to provide for your daily needs. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you, Lord, for this this divine lesson, Lord, that you are in complete control, that we may that we may rest in that, that we may have confidence, Lord, that you will provide for our daily needs because, Lord, you uh, you care for us, that you have compassion for us, and that you are sovereign and in complete control over this situation that we have. Lord, may we be confident that you will step in 
and provide for us in our particular situation. Thank you, Lord, for, for all that you do. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us. Thank you, Lord, for being um, ever loving. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See you guys uh, next episode.